Who are the sophomore players about to break out for the Kansas City Chiefs in year two of their NFL careers today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your weekend today. We are talking about the sophomore class, the guys in their second year. Who's going to break out? Thanks for making us your first listen here on Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now go make another Locked On show your next listen. Maybe it's a division rival, or maybe you just want to look around the league, but there's a lot going on everywhere. To keep up, check out Locked On. We're free on every single platform. Starting on YouTube, that's where you'll see the releases. You can watch there, obviously, like, sub, and hit the bell for us. And then you can always get us on all the free audio platforms because we are free all the time everywhere for you guys. And I'm excited about today. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. There's a ton to talk about when we start looking at the sophomore class. Uh, Kansas City had a, a heck of a year from their freshman class last year. Those guys are going to be coming into year two. There is a ton to talk about when you start talking about those players. And you have to wonder, I know we're going to talk about the players that have a chance to make huge roster jumps, but you also have to wonder about a little bit more about sophomore slumps, considering how big of an impact a lot of those guys had last year uh, compared to heading into year two. That'll be something interesting to watch. Really quick, I do want to throw a shout out to our everydayers. We are going to be covering this team every single day, five days a week, all year long. So be sure to check us out. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the guys that are heading into year three. And a little bit later this week, we're going to talk about the top players on offense and defense. Uh, so just a little bit of an idea as to what we're going to be going into. And thank you for the locos that are out there as well. If you haven't joined or heard of this yet, our everydayers, the listeners that are here with us five days a week, just like we are, have called themselves locos and we're going with it. So Kudos to all you locos. Nice to see you today. Uh, we're going to talk about second-year players, and that uh, we'll, we'll filter out some of the uh, you know iffy parts. There are some players that uh, didn't have a full year because of the, the rules of the NFL. We're really just talking about guys that are entering their second season. So even though Malik Herring is going to be listed as, as a year-two player, quote-unquote, he was undrafted in 2021, so he doesn't actually count for this. We're going to go through that class. And who can stand out? Who can make that big leap? Because – Going into your second year is that big leap. It's it's when you've kind of gotten the feel of how everything works in the NFL, the schedule, where everything is, what you can do and what you can't in terms of nutrition and moving around the facility and getting in the weight room and everything else. Um, some training videos have been leaked out by the Chiefs here in the last week, so you can see what it's like inside their new weight facility. It's not the one that I was in, but it definitely is something that this time of year is going to be really, really important. But all that goes into taking that next step forward. And so we have, obviously, primetime names uh, at the start, like Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis. I immediately take them out because I, I don't think they can break out because they both played very well and they both played a ton of snaps. So for me, I would take those guys off the list because they're already established in my mind. Yeah, and see, that's where it really gets complicated because then you start looking at the other guys that are running into second year, like uh, Isaiah Pacheco, who I think broke out somewhat last year. Uh, you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, uh, Jalen Watson is another one that kind of broke out last year. Uh, so, I, I mean, you can go back and forth on him, but there are a lot of guys that, ha that played huge snaps for Kansas City last year that could play even bigger roles this year. But like I said, I mean, it's one of those things. Some of them played very well, like Herloftis and McDuffie and Isaiah Pacheco. Could some of those guys take a step back? Possibly, but I'm still thinking that there's still plenty of guys on this roster that are headed into year two 
have a lot to gain this season. Agreed. So let's go. Let's go down and take uh, what is maybe uh, because of the nature of this draft class and what they've brought in UDFA wise, else wise as well. Um, it's it's definitely more defensive centric. So let's look at the offensive side first. Given that there's fewer players, and I agree with you, I think Pacheco's already announced his his, his emergence. So at this time last year, we thought, hey, he's going to compete. He could be a you know a, a good backup, provide extra reps, uh, yards. He's clearly taken over the number one lead. We've had all kinds of discussions about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So is there any room for him to actually do anything else to break out as a, a kid who was a thousand yard rusher as a rookie? I think so. I think that he could – there's several parts of his game that he could continue to improve, uh, catching out of the backfield, but most importantly, pass blocking. If he wants to be a starting running back in this league for a long time, that is how you do it. You become a better pass blocker, and you are able to pick up blitzes. That is a huge deal, uh, and that's really going to keep him out of some of those scenarios where you'd want him on the field otherwise. So I think that that's a spot that he could really take a step forward. And while that might not say, show up on the stat sheet specifically, it's going to show up in guys' stats like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, any of the wide receivers that are catching passes because Mahomes has time because Pacheco's picking up the, blitz, the blitzer. Agreed, agreed. Now, on the offensive side, there, there's still a thin amount. We're waiting for the emergence of Justin Ross. He is listed with this group. But we know that he's not 100% healthy. We didn't even see him yet, uh, even in, in the rookie minicamp, which he should have been eligible for. But because of the R situation, we haven't seen him. When we get to OTAs, I think that's going to change. And this is where he started to make a little noise last year. Obviously, he had the season that he's been uh, away uh, from the, the regular roster. But he's a guy I think that can make a big leap in just getting on to the roster by showing that he can stay healthy this year. Is that a breakout? Probably not. But for him, that's a huge leap forward, and I'm looking forward to that. It's a breakout, though, for in some regards, because if he can make the roster, he's got to be a top three or four wide receiver. That's the only way he's going to be on the roster. He's not a special teams guy, so he's got to be somebody that can produce on the field. That'd be a huge leap for him, and, and to me, that's breaking out in that regard. And if he can give them something, anything like what he was in Clemson a couple of years ago, uh, that's fantastic for Kansas City with such a low, low investment. That's a fair point, and I, I won't bet against him. Um, I hope that that happens, and I hope that we get to see a good bit of him here just to see the competition level. And if that continues to develop, maybe he doesn't look like he's in that top six right now. There's some tweaking that I think is going to be a little bit different on this roster come 53, man, than we've seen in years past. We gave you uh, our yearly prediction last week uh, on Friday. If you missed that show, go check that out of wins, losses. We're going to start looking at an early look at, at the 53-man roster next week as well. So what does that do to it? Justin Ross is one of those guys. But before we get into the other standout players that we think might be able to take a leap, and my number one guy is coming up here in just a minute, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel because you can make a fast break right now. You can get in on the action no matter where you want to do or what you want to get into with a no-sweat first bet that's being offered to our new customers right now. And that will give you up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you go sign up at FanDuel, the number one spot to get in in the action. All you have to do is take the easy steps of getting involved. They are the official sports betting partner of a bunch of leagues, including the NFL, and it's a good time to kind of get prepared for that. So you go sign up at FanDuel.com slash below, and you make a bet. If that bet does not pay off for you and you lose, you can earn up to $1,000 in bonus bets off of that singular bet. 
and then you get to play me or earn more opportunities to get some of that back and, and get in the action. Uh, you have to just go to one place. It's fanduel.com slash locked on. It's right there on the screen to go to America's number one sports book and get in. It's a no sweat first bet for up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets at fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, America's number one sporting partner of the NBA, MLB, and the NFL. Hey, really yeah. quick before we jump into other second-year players, I think we'd be remiss without saying this, uh, just because we're here to provide all the information we possibly can about the team. The Chiefs did sign Felix and DK Uzama over the weekend. So they oh, have nice. six of their seven draft picks pick uh, signed. We don't have the numbers on that. We'll get them for you as we can. Just wanted to throw that out there, so we did report it. Yeah, it is ongoing process, but they're getting it done, getting the guys in and getting ready for what the OTAs are going to look like. Um, and that helps you lift and get everything else. Because I, I think in the old days, you used to not sign contracts and come in and work out, and that was always a risk. And I, I think it just makes sense. Um, Chiefs are one of the few teams that are kind of doing it haphazardly. A, a lot of teams have just signed a whole class. But we know that there's ins and outs to uh, how they manage things in Kansas City, particularly for the cap. So good to see that he's under contract and hopefully they can get that wrapped up and get ready to go. He's not the guy that's going to break out this year. I don't think at least not right off the bat. We'll see how camp looks for him. But the guy that I think is going to break out the number one candidate to break out this season in his sophomore campaign is sky more to me on the offensive side of the ball. We are still talking offense here, folks. We'll get to the defense here shortly uh, because I just feel like it was, it was so touch and go back and forth, and I think actually um, the struggles on kick return duties, punt return duties, um, really kind of squashed his development last season. Uh, did give him a little bit more time to kind of come on as the year went on, and I think what we saw glimpses of in the postseason and certainly in the Super Bowl are things that he's going to be able to double down on. I like the concept of just getting your, your feet under you and, and performing at a base level, and now he can take a big step forward. Obviously, without Juju Smith-Schuster here, there's going to be room for him to take some of those snap counts. Uh, there's other players that are going to take them as well. But for this sophomore class, year two guys, I think Sky Moore is the best candidate to break out on the offensive side. Hard to argue with that. And I will say, I think that it's him returning kicks last year stunted his development a little bit, not necessarily because of his inability to get on the field offensively, more so his confidence. I think that you look at what happened during the season, and I think he just lost confidence in his his ability to return. And then when you got Kadarius Tony here, Skymore didn't really return much anymore, uh, and so I think that kind of helped. But towards the end, Moore came out and said that he missed returning. He wanted to get back to it. We saw what he was able to do in the playoffs. He showed that he had full confidence in what he was able to do. But the bigger thing here, and, and why I think it, I agree with you, I think he's the huge candidate to take a huge step forward for Kansas City is you have to remember, he came from a very small school compared to going into the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, not to say he doesn't have the talent to be able to do it, but in Kansas City, rookie wide receivers already struggle having a hard time making uh, significant impacts on the roster. But coming from an even smaller school, not even really a, a true Division One type school or Power 5 school, that's something he had to overcome. And I think that that's something that – kind of stunted his ability to get and help on the field last year. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now can you just get it rolling? I think we're just seeing incremental improvement for Skymore here this OTA season, and then what does that become? I look for camp to be where it really starts to blossom. Uh, not necessarily in preseason games, but like how many roles are you playing? That's going to be the key for me to watch. But 
that's just the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you have a ton of players as well. And it's harder to break out, I think, for the defensive side of this class because they got so much attention as rookies. Now, you mentioned Jalen Watson earlier. Let's start at the back of the defense because you end up with Trent McDuffie, who we've all already kind of ruled out because he played so often. Um, but this chief secondary does feature guys that played at both Washington State and Washington. I think that's a little bit unique. I did some checking over the weekend, and that's always something that's uh, old rivals. If you get into the Apple Cup performances, uh, a lot back and forth. But so take Trent out. If you look at the rest of the class, there's Jalen Watson, who did play a lot. There's Josh Williams, who spelled him at times, but from the corner position, can either of those guys do something in your mind to break them out of what we saw from them last year as solid developmental guys that can contribute? I think so. I think that both Watson and, and Williams can come in and, and show more consistency. You know, Joshua Williams goes back to the same thing I said about Sky Moore going up against – he's coming from a HBCU uh, – and that's going to be a really hard leap to come from that level of competition to the NFL and be successful. And we talked about it all last season before the season started and kind of starting into the season about how he was getting to a point where he thought he was probably 80, 85% of where he could be. Uh, I don't know that he ever got to hundred percent, but I do think that he's going to take a big step forward this season because he's got the whole year to be in an NFL system. That group, that entire group of the secondary and any of those guys, Brian Cook included, you know, Brian Cook, jo Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, uh, and Trent McDuffie, all four of those guys got together and studied as a group. Those four core guys from that draft class decided we're going to be a huge thing on this roster. And they went and they studied and they made it happen. And I think that's going to continue to really help them going forward this season. I'm glad you, you bring up Brian Cook, uh, because he is my candidate to break out on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to tell you exactly why right after this. So I was enamored with Brian Cook in college. I think obviously he showed some uh, lack of discipline at times as a rookie, but he also showed that he could fill a number of roles. And the reason that I think he's the, my pick to be the breakout candidate on the defensive side of the ball is because his role is going to significantly change. Unlike Jalen Watson and Josh Williams, who got on the field and played a good volume of snaps as rookies, I, I think their volume is going to be about the same because you still have Trent McDuffie ahead of you. You still have LeJarrius Sneed ahead of you. Uh, well, there are other players that are going to as well. I mean, that's, I, that plays into I, it as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's some younger players who might creep in yep. on your snaps, but we'll see. But the difference is Brian Cook is now going to be a starter. He is going to fill the one role. He is going to be interchangeable, I think, with Justin Reed. I don't think I still consider Brian like a, a full like center fielder, one high only safety, but he is a split safety. And I think he can grow into that role, but we're going to see him down in the box at times. We're going to see him playing robber. We're going to see him playing split. And I think we will see him playing single high. If Dan Sorensen can do it, I know Brian Cook can. So I don't think Spags is going to be scared to do it. And so I think that volume of opportunity is what's going to let him break out. I don't know exactly how it's going to be. Is it going to be, the big hits that we saw him make in college could be. Is it going to be takeaways? I certainly hope so. That's the number one thing for me, whether it's the veterans or the young guys, they have to take the ball away more in the secondary. And I think Brian might be the guy that gets it done. Well, and one of the other things you look at is you right. He was undisciplined last year. I think that that's going to play into how he plays this season because I think his aggression really got the better of him at times. He's got to learn to play at the NFL level. He's got to learn to play within the, the system and within the game. And I think he can do that. He was flying all around last year when he was on the field. So 
that's encouraging going into the season. I do agree with you. I think he is probably the best candidate to be the breakthrough candidate, especially considering he's stepping into a starting role at this point. I would imagine that Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams have a chance to possibly push themselves into a starting role, uh, depending on how you really look at the corners. I, I would say that three corners are starters. Um, but those two guys are going to have to go against each other to see who can get that role. And then Jamari Connor is another one that could possibly force his way in there to kind of change that math as well. So when you start looking at the defenders, Brian Cook is the one that makes a lot of sense to be a standout guy. I want to throw another guy out there, and I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to have a huge impact, but I think what you saw in the Super Bowl from Leo Chanel is a good indication of what he can do in this defense. And I think that that's something that we're going to be seeing a little bit more of this season. Specifically, how so? Because he was one of the guys that I have a question mark about. Which direction are they going to take him in? Well, and I do think that he's going to stay mostly at the linebacker level and, and probably help against the run. And it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas City deploys him with Drew Tranquil and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. But they have a very good linebacker group room at this point. So I expect that he's going to be able to step in and really fill some of those holes uh, and be a guy that's attacking downhill uh, and, and be kind of a thumper type linebacker at times. Yeah, and I think they can use that, especially if they decide to go to, like, we speculated about it when it happened with the Drew Tranquil signing. If they decide they want to align in a 3-4 at times in a base with four linebackers on the field, I think that certainly allows you to put Leo next to Nick Bolton and, ha and have a thumper next to your, your main Mike linebacker and let the speedier guys play where they might have to drop or they might have to mirror or they have to do a number of different things. The question for me is, do they want to twist him into kind of an edge role? We know that they drafted Felix was, on purpose, obviously, but he can add something to it, right? Yeah, I was going to add that as well. I think that that's another place where I think he can step in and provide some help as well is just be an extra edge. Play the linebacker right. role, but be a guy that can go in and, and get a couple of pass snaps, you know, every couple of, or every game. You know, it doesn't have to be a ton. You're going to have plenty of pass snaps in the NFL. That's just the reality of the game. So the more guys you can have that can get after the passer and give you something a little bit different on that defensive line or getting after the passer, I think is going to help this defense. Now the last group of guys, um, I will say out of this sophomore class, they're not breakout candidates in my mind, but they are all three of them that I have in mind are candidates to make a, a big leap and become contributors that they weren't last year. Nazi Johnson did get on the field. Uh, but it wasn't a high volume. He's got stiff competition, obviously, in that group, but they need corners to fill in the special teams. Can he roll that into opportunity, especially with two new guys in Nick Jones and Shamari Connor coming into the secondary? That's going to be a tough one. If he can do that, I think it proves where he can go and that he's able to make those adjustments and those steps forward. I'm, I'm pulling for him. But the guy that I'm really interested in that I think might be able to take a, a larger step if he settles down out of position, is Darian Kennard, because I, I think there's opportunity inside to play a backup role, a swing kind of interior guy that fits into where he's going, unless he's come back in in drastically different shape, and we'll know when they start OTAs. What do you see Kennard doing in this season? It's a great question, and really quick, I want to say on Nazi Johnson, uh, I do think that he has a chance to continue to contribute to this team, but he has a harder time making this team this year than he did last year because of the guys that they just drafted. Shamari Connor and Nick Jones. So that's going to be something to watch in camp. And that's going to be a fascinating matchup to see. Not And those guys don't match up on each other, but it's going to be fascinating to see who comes in with what team and how they're playing and how they play in the preseason. 
when you start looking at Kennard, I think that's a fascinating one. Uh, Allegretti is a guy that they brought back for another single season, and I would imagine he's probably gone after this year, regardless of what he does, unless he's willing to come back for another vet men deal like he kind of did this year. Uh, and there's value there for Kansas City if they can bring him back at that number. But Kennard is a guy that wanted to play tackle last year, wasn't able to make that transition, and it's a question of whether or not he has the feet for it. And you make a great point. Is he going to be a guy that can transition his body over the offseason to be able to get to a point where he can be that guy? Because he, if he gets the feet to where he can be a, a right tackle, then I think he gives you the ability to be a flex at three different positions. I don't know that you could flex him out to left tackle, but you could definitely get him at left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think what we saw some progress, uh, at least body type wise, that kind of thing. It is about what has he been doing training wise. And we'll start to see that here as they've already said, the starting OTAs, it will be Donovan Smith at left and Juwan Taylor at right to begin with, but that's just the ones the ones aren't going to do a, a whole high volume in OTAs. Who gets the twos slots? That's going to be my big question at both the tackle spots. But if we see Kennard inside with the twos, I think that's the direction they're going. The other question is who's going to be number two center? You would think that maybe, I mean, Caliendo is the, the obvious choice probably, but I don't think he's a guy that can be on this roster. I don't think that they're going to have the ability to keep him. So I think that you have to try to force Allegretti into that role to be able to be a swing guy at all three of those positions. Yeah, it definitely could be because the, the options are li- limited there. I've heard rumor that they they want to try Jerome Carvin there, the rookie uh, from Tennessee who's played with a couple of guys on this roster. We'll see if that can come down, but that right now is a, an experiment that we won't know about until OTAs. Well, and uh, Allegretti was an experiment too. So, And I know we're talking about second-year players. I'm just talking about different positions that are going to need to be filled because right now you don't have a backup center. Allegretti is still a guy that has – I don't think he snapped in an NFL game outside preseason. So uh, that's a big question mark if you get into a situation where you have to have him be the center. I think you'd want somebody else there that could step in and do that. Yeah, and that's fair. That brings me to my last player, uh, and that is Jack Cochran, who is in a pretty specific role. And I think he's in a role that I think we're going to see churn over the next few years, and that is – the depth linebacker that has the athleticism to play teams and be a core special teams player, uh, kind of taking the role that either was Dan Sorensen in years past or was the fullbacks in both Sherm and Mike Burton that we don't expect to be on the roster at this point. Um, I think that's going to be really intriguing because he earned himself by beating out another rookie linebacker in last year's camp. Now he's got Cam Jones and Isaiah Moore coming in after him as well to other athletic guys, same rough size, can do a lot of the same things. Uh, Cole Christensen's in there as well, and I'm, I'm not 100% that he can hold up quite as much, uh, a little bit of an older prospect, but I think that battle between Jack Cochran and Cam Jones is going to be there for real. Yeah, and that fifth linebacker position is his to, to lose at this point. I think he's slotted in there right now. I think that if you're going to keep five linebackers, he's your fifth uh obviously OTAs and, and camp will have a decision and there will have a impact on that but for me I think he is the number five guy right now and I think that if he's able to take a step forward and, and really help on special teams a little bit more than he was last year that's a huge win for Kansas City because you have almost nothing invested in him and if you can get a core special teams guy out of a undrafted free agent that's a win for you yeah you have to take the money to roll 
That's a look at the second-year class. We're going to talk about the third-year guys tomorrow, so make sure you join us. Like, sub, and hit that bell. Make sure you're here with us five days a week because we are. You locos and everydayers, we expect that you will enjoy this week. We're getting tooled up, getting ready to see some guys on the field, running around, doing some football actual things, and I'm here for it. So thank you for your time today and listening to us. Check out another Locked On show for your next one. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.